Well, as you know, we're in the book of Psalms this summer, and this morning we come to Psalm 88. Uh, If you are familiar with Psalm 88, uh, you might have picked up that it is the saddest psalm in all the Bible. Uh, In fact, it is the only psalm with no explicit statement about confidence in God, hope in the Lord. If we're to summarize Psalm 88 in one word, that word would be darkness. Uh, literally, in, the, in the, the Hebrew text, the very last word of the psalm is darkness. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, oh, that's great. Thank you, Camper, for picking Psalm 88 on a beautiful, sunny Sunday like today. But think about it this way. I didn't pick it. God did. In fact, God inspired that this psalm be written. And God made sure that it was placed in His canon of Scripture, the Holy Bible. And because the Word of God is light and life to us, we have every reason and every need to hear God's Word through Psalm 88. So you'll find it on page 494 if you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you. Let's take a moment to pray before we hear God's word. Lord of light and love, we ask that you right now would make yourself known to us. As we enter into this, the the saddest, the darkest of the Psalms, would you help us to see you? Would you help us to enter in and then to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, that we would know your presence, know your power? And so in that, Lord, we're asking you once again to do what only you can do, And that is to awaken our hearts, to speak to them, and to change us. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So now I invite you to hear God's word from Psalm 88. A song. A psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master. According to Mahaleth Liana, a maskil of Heman the Ezrahite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol, near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. 
and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them, repulsive to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon, in the land of destruction? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, I cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Darkness has become my only companion. Well, this too is the word of God. And this too is given to us for our good and ultimately for his glory. And so let's turn to it now. Well, weighty for sure, no doubt about that. And as we look at Psalm 88 this morning, Uh, We're going to consider its breadth, its depth, and its height. Its breadth, the breadth of human brokenness, in that all experience pain and suffering at some level. Uh, Its depth, the depth of human brokenness experienced in extreme darkness and despair. And its height, the height of hope and healing in the face of of human brokenness. But before we get into the the psalm, I want to just go ahead and be up front about the aim. Uh, As we go uh, through Psalm 88, the aim is simply this, that that, that we would take pain and suffering seriously, while at the same time taking seriously God's redemptive work in the midst of it. That we take pain and suffering seriously while at the same time taking God's presence and redemptive work in the midst of it. And I should also point out that that in the church we often err in in one of two directions, two common errors. And they get in the way of this aim, uh, two wrong views of suffering. Uh, First, we often minimize suffering. I mean, we're not comfortable with it, so we we minimize it, and and we don't take the time to to understand another's experience, what they're going through. And in this view, the sufferer only needs more faith. Uh, If you would just trust God more, it'll all be well. If you would just grab hold of the victorious life, well, this view misses the fact that, that we see throughout the Psalms that God hears the cry of the brokenhearted. And also the fact that Jesus himself 
a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. So sometimes we minimize suffering, but we can also maximize suffering. Suffering becomes the central identity of the sufferer. This is who I am. I am my suffering. And so in this view, the sufferer is wearing their their pain like an inner tube. So you go to the beach, you go to the lake, you go down to the river, and you get an inner tube to to float in around you. So so here, the sufferer is, is wearing their pain around them like an inner tube and bumping into everybody with it. But it also means that no one can actually get close to them, and they can't really get close uh, to anyone else. And so this view misses the fact that God often uses significant suffering to transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. So let's not minimize, let's not maximize suffering. But let's see what Psalm 88 has to say about it. So, its breadth, its depth, and its height Breath, the breath of human brokenness in that all experience pain and suffering at some level. Verse 3, my soul is full of troubles. At some point, we have all experienced a moment where our soul is full of troubles. We've experienced disappointment, uh, loss, anxiety, worry. This past week, I was on the phone with a a friend, fellow pastor. And we were talking about various uh, ministry opportunities, and all of a sudden, he interrupted. And he said, Camper, a baby in our church just died. I've got to go. Pray. And right there, just in a split second, a family's unexpected, devastating loss. My soul is full of trouble. It can happen just like that. And you know, the Bible, if we read it, we realize it does not have a sanitized version of life. In fact, the Bible is not rated G or PG or even PG-13. It, clearly, it is rated R. But with, because it doesn't give us this sanitized version of life, uh, Dr. Tim Lane notes, that's one of the most refreshing things about the Bible. Is it severely honest? The Bible is filled with stories of murder, rape, famine, disease, judgment, depression, conflict, war, betrayal, adultery, theft, corruption, suffocating fear, and the list goes on and on. Now, it's not pleasant reading about these things. But it can be comforting. You see, it's, it's extremely encouraging to know that the Bible views life the way that we experience it. The Bible looks at the world as we know it. In other words, the Bible helps us see that God gets us. That God understands God word get, God's word gets us. God gets us. You see, there'll never be a time when you will experience something so dark and difficult that God doesn't understand. The hope and care that God offers his children makes it clear that he knows the full spectrum, the full spectrum of human experience. 
the greatest joys, the deepest pains and sorrows, the full spectrum. And some of the most comforting places in the Bible might not even have the word comfort in them. And I would say that's the case for Psalm 88. But like the psalmist, are we able to be severely honest with God? Think about that for a moment. Through your own difficulties and trials, and I recognize that your experiences of darkness, they're not all as intense as the psalmist. But are you able to be truly honest with God when you're facing difficulty? Do you question whether or not God welcomes your honesty? In other words, how you really feel. I mean, we might as well tell him. He already knows our hearts. He knows our minds. But, but do we? Uh, do you think you've got to exhibit an unwavering faith before God and others? Maybe another way to turn this is, are we, as a church, are we a safe place for people going through the valley of the shadow of death? Are we a people that are willing to step into the dark places with others so that together we can, we can walk and we can look for Jesus? Well, Psalm 88 is an invitation to honesty, an invitation to honesty for all people. We're called to an, an honest and an authentic faith. Real faith in the midst of real pain and suffering. God calls us to come out of hiding. God invites us to stop pretending, to be, to be real with our struggles, our sorrows. And it's there that we discover God already knows. He understands. He's at work. Okay, so that's the breadth of Psalm 88. Now let's go deep. The depth. The depth of human brokenness experienced in extreme darkness and despair. So let's feel the weight of the psalm a bit more. Uh, let me just highlight a few places, Psalm 88. I won't read uh, all of it, but a few places in verses uh, 4 to 9 and 14 to 18. So verse 4, the, the psalmist writes, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I have no strength. Like those among the dead, those that lie in the grave. Like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. You have caused my companions to shun me. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Uh, verse 14, O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? And then it ends, verse 18, You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Darkness has become my only companion. So darkness, despair. Uh, some of you have experienced the very depths of the pain and suffering expressed here. In fact, some of you may be going through that right now. And others of you will tomorrow or the next day or sometime in the future. And one of the things that I want us to hear is, do you hear the raw honesty of this psalmist? 
I mean, it might take you a few times to read through the psalm, but the raw honesty here, uh, accusations against God, sarcasm, even mocking questions, but at the same time, all in the midst of crying out, Oh Lord, hear my prayer. I cry out day and night, my hands before you. Well, I realize thinking about severe honesty uh, in the face of severe suffering, it's weighty. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel threatening. It may even feel defeating. But you want to hear something encouraging? If you want just a, a small taste of grace at this point in this psalm, uh, um, if you ever study the psalms, you need to get the commentaries by Derek Kidner. Uh, he is clearly the brilliant expert uh, on psalms. And, and what I'm about to read from him, just a, a small excerpt, this understanding really frees me to enter into the psalm and to be honest with God, and I hope it might for you too. But Kidner writes, The very presence of such honest prayers in Scripture is a witness to God's understanding, and He knows how men speak when they are desperate. He knows. He's not surprised. He's not surprised when we lose it, when we vent, when we're unsure of his love and his goodness. He's not surprised. Not surprised by anything, including our severest, our most raw expressions of honesty. And again, God welcomes us to come out, to come out of hiding with our struggles, our sorrows. He loves us, his children. And he wants us to know that. Now, something else that's important to see here in Psalm 88. We see that deep darkness can last a very long time. Clearly, the expression of the psalmist here is something that he has been experiencing month after month possibly year after year, refers even to since I was a child. Now, granted, we don't know about his childhood, but at least this is the lens through which he sees it now. But as I think about the very long seasons of deep darkness, I, I think of my friend Scott. Uh, Scott is, is my best friend from college. Uh, we met freshman year, and so we've had uh, over 20 years of, of friendship together. He's, he's given me permission to uh, to talk about our friendship and his darkness. Um, Scott experiences seasons of intense darkness. Uh, he has had five major bouts uh, with extreme depression. Uh, each of these has lasted uh, months on end, month after month after month. Um, sometimes they've included uh, hospitalization, uh, professional, pastoral counseling as well. And like the psalmist here, Scott has experienced deep despair uh, to, to such an extent, even unto death, uh, wondering, has God turned his face away from me? Wondering if, if he has been forsaken by God, if he is doomed for eternal damnation. Night after night after night, unable to sleep, tormented, struggling. In fact, as, as we were talking this week, as we were talking this week about Psalm 88, I hung up and 
I began kind of working through some of the pieces of his story. And a little while later, my phone gave the ring when a text comes in, and I was right in the middle of his story. It was a text from Scott. And the first part of it said exactly this. Psalm 88. That's exactly how I feel when I'm depressed. Seriously, I could have written it myself. Next to my wife, Heather, Scott has taught me more about the gospel than anyone else. He has taught me more about true faith. I consider him the bravest person that I know. And what I have seen in Scott and what I have learned through Psalm 88 as we have have walked through this over the past 20 years together is in the words of one theologian. And I want you to hear this. The faith of this psalm cannot be separated from the faith that's expressed in the rest of God's book. And it helps those who sing it To see that faith can be real even when it cannot arrive at strong hope after much prayer. Amen? That is good news. And and as as I've journeyed with, with Scott over this time through these valleys of deep darkness over the years, one thing that we have come to understand and be convinced of, and believe me, there are moments in the midst of it when he says, Please remind me of the truth. I don't see it. I don't remember it. What is it? And this is what we'll come back to. And it's what, uh, the way one of my seminary professors put it. Health is not the absence of pain and suffering. Okay, When we're here and now in this fallen world, health is not the absence of pain and suffering, but a commitment to reality. Health is not the absence of pain and suffering, but a commitment to reality. Both the reality of my brokenness and need and the reality of God's redemptive work. Yes, there is pain and suffering. And yes, God knows, he understands, and he is at work in it. So that's a glimpse, just a glimpse at the depth of Psalm 88. But now I want us to look up. The height. The height of hope and healing in the face of human brokenness. Now I did point out earlier that Psalm 88 is the only psalm that has no explicit statement of confidence in the Lord, uh, hope in God. But it is there. In fact, it really is clearly there. We just have to look carefully to see it. And so the first place I'm going to go is the title. Did you realize the titles are actually a part of the Psalms? That's why we read them before the rest of the Psalm. So the title, a song. A psalm of the sons of Korah. A maskil of Heman the Ezraite. Okay, what do we learn there? We find, out that the, we find out the author's name. His name is Haman, Haman the Ezraite. Well, Haman was a pioneer and leader of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were one of the singing guilds established by King David to lead the people of God in worship. 
Their psalms are viewed by many as some of the richest in the whole book of Psalms. Okay, do you see where this is going? This supposedly God-forsaken author writes a psalm of darkness and despair that is put in the book of worship and song for God's people. It's in their songbook. It's to be sung as they come into the place of worship and sacrifice. In other words, God intended the darkest of human laments to be expressed alongside the brightest of human hopes. God intended the darkest of human laments to be expressed alongside the brightest of human hopes. And as one commentator puts it, honest expressions of fear, pain, and doubt were welcome in the place of worship, atonement, and forgiveness. The mess of human misery was welcomed into the place of mysterious, glorious grace. That's amazing. That, that is so beautiful, so encouraging. Lane says there's no psalm that more powerfully communicates, come as you are. Come just as you are. Come as you are, with all your doubts and fears, your pain and discouragement. Hold before me your shattered hopes and dreams and find redemption and rest when it seems that there is none to be found. Don't hesitate because your heart is weak and your mind confused. Don't hesitate because you've questioned my goodness and love. Come as you are, for my sacrifice is for you just as you are. And this type of severe honesty with God in Psalm 88, it's meant to be a part of our very lives, a part of our worship. We can come as we are. And so do you see how this, this invitation to honesty, to a raw honesty, is filled with amazing hope? God invites us to come as we are, knowing that His love is strong enough, knowing that His grace is sufficient. Well, more than that, Psalm 88 points us to Jesus. The profound reality for us today is that we can see clearly what was still veiled to the people of God when the Psalms were written. We can look to the cross. On the cross, Jesus took the consuming darkness of sin upon himself so that it would not ultimately consume us. Jesus took Psalm 88 upon himself so that darkness would not have the last word in Christ. Did you hear the psalmist? The psalmist speaks of the wrath of God is heavy upon me. Sometimes it may feel that way, really feel that way. But the reality of grace is that Christ, that Jesus on the cross, took the fullness of God's wrath so that it would not have to rest on us. The psalmist also cries out, Why, O Lord, why do you hide your face from me? And there are times when it may really feel like that. But the reality of grace is that on the cross, the Father turned His face away from His Son. Jesus was forsaken so that we would never have to be. 
On the cross, Jesus took the consuming darkness of sin upon himself so that it would not ultimately consume us. And through the cross, we have the beauty and the power of the resurrection. Through the resurrection, think about those mocking questions in the middle of Psalm 88. Raw honesty. But those questions become a yes in Christ. Yes, God works wonders for the dead. For we too will be resurrected on the last day. Yes, the departed will rise up to praise you, O Lord. For we will rejoice on that great day. Brothers and sisters, that day is coming. And it gives us true hope for today. For this day. It's it's said that Martin Luther kept two days on his calendar. Today and the consummation. Today and the last day. Today and the day that Jesus returns and makes all things right. The restoration of all things. Similarly, I heard the other day of an older woman who has been suffering from chronic illness for years, for years. And she, of course, is often asked how she's doing, how she's dealing with the pain and suffering. And she simply replies this, well, it hurts now, but it's nothing the resurrection can't cure. Amen? That is the height of hope and healing, the height of of hope and healing that we have in Psalm 88, the height of hope and healing in the face of human brokenness, because that's the good news of Jesus. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we have felt the weight of this psalm, we look to you to be the lifter of our heads. And we thank you. We thank you for this dark psalm. I think even this week, as Scott said, I am so glad this psalm is in there. It brings me great comfort to know that I'm not alone and that God is faithful. So, Lord, we look to you, the faithful God. We thank you that in this dark psalm, you actually shine light into our hearts. And so we ask that you would fill us with hope today as we wait patiently as we wait eagerly for the end of brokenness and the fullness of healing and restoration. And even now we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come.